In three, two, one, action. We're live now. As you started counting, we were actually live, weren't we? Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Overtime. Overtime is our weekly podcast where we get to do a deeper dive into the weekend message. Thanks so much for joining us, whether you're watching us live and you're possibly interacting with us on our website, the Watch Live tab, or if you're catching this podcast later, hey, thanks so much for joining us. What we really hope is that this is a podcast, kind of part two of the message, if you will, that really challenges you and encourages you to go deeper in your faith and gives you, the listeners, the opportunity to ask us any questions regarding the message or even just wherever you're at within your faith. Uh, so one of the things that we always try and do before we jump into kind of the recap and jumping into the content um, is to just give you kind of an update of what's happening within the life of the church. This week, we're pretty excited. We are starting a brand new series. We say brand new, but it's kind of still the Luke series, but it's a new kind of focus on the Luke series where we're going to be starting kind of our Christmas series. So I don't even remember the name of it. Like um, God with God us. God with us. Emmanuel. So Emmanuel. One of my favorite names, but I couldn't think of the title right now. We went back and forth on a couple of them. Yeah, it was going to be Christmas presents, yeah. but then I was going to explain every time, P-R-E-S-E-N-C. And I think it's just now that we're live, I'm like, oh, uh, what was that again? Yeah. So anyway, but we're so excited for this series that's going to be starting this coming Sunday. You will actually, if you tune in on Thursday night at 8 p.m., we do a weekly vision update uh, where Josh usually is doing that. You'll get kind of a sneak peek of what that series will look like and how we're kind of doing church for the next six weeks. We know that there's a lot of questions now as COVID cases are starting to rise. So we'll probably address some of that on that Thursday and let you know what kind of our future looks like as we're going into that. So that's kind of the, the announcement, if you will. Tune into that. Hopefully you'll join us on the weekends where you can be part of the service. Hopefully you can also tune in on Thursday night for that vision recap that uh, at eight o'clock. Um, and hopefully you're enjoying this now. So Without further ado, do you want to kind of bring us up to speed? We finished out. This was week seven of Jesus for President. Do you want to kind of give us a, a review of what we talked about? I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. It always, it would feel weird <laughs> to be like, like Josh, why don't you give us a review? So you ask if I want to. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Right. I'll start demanding it. Demand it, yeah. Uh, so we are, we did, as Ben just said, uh, finished Jesus for President week seven. So kind of. Part two and three of last week's sermon, week before, on the big idea. Some of you are really thrilled by the lecture results, One, if you think you know them, right? All sorts of complications there. Uh, some of you are pretty disappointed, maybe devastated, depending on just kind of where you land, both on the national level and then you know, even on the local level. Uh, yeah, many of you invested time and energy uh, with candidates and promoting candidates. And so, yeah, I'm really thrilled with the outcome. Some of you aren't. And, so kind of the big idea two weeks ago, and really good news, I think, for us is that uh, you and I, and all of us, uh, those of us who walk with Jesus, uh, those of us who are followers of Jesus, have at least as much, probably more, authority than uh, Joe Biden or Donald Trump or the elected officials uh, within our state and local government, you know, Senate, uh, House Representatives, Supreme Court Justices. You and I have at least, if not more, authority than they do right so if you're really really overwhelmed by our world disappointed by our world the good news is you actually can be a change agent in this world and you could have been eight weeks ago but regardless of the election there's still an opportunity to really still be a change agent because you have at least as much authority as anyone else in the government and the reason being is because the bible tells us that jesus is lord and king and god right and so by the way he gets murdered for those beliefs 
and declarations, and then proves all of them to be true by coming back to life afterwards. The only one to ever do that, right? Like, bring himself back to life. And one of the things that Jesus says is he had all authority, and he actually tells the, the, his first followers, uh, and uh, like right before he's about to get arrested, that all authority has been given to him, and that he's going to give the same power, the same authority that dwells within him as God. He's actually going to indwell that authority with himself in us, which is just profound and complicated and confusing. And so big idea from a week and a half or two weeks, last weekend, not this weekend, was you and I have at least as much authority as uh, Jesus does. And the question I hope that I ask is to do what? Yeah. Okay, well, we got to figure out what it is that Jesus wants us to do, which is kind of the crossover between the Jesus for President series and the God with us series, because mm -hmm. Basically, what we, we're just walking through the Gospel of Luke, and the Gospel of Luke is basically written to, so that we have certainly the things that we've been taught about who Jesus is. He's God, that he came to dwell here, that all authority was given to him, that he gave that authority to us. We can have certainty about that, that we have a mission now to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth the way that he prayed it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So now we have authority, we have a purpose, we have all those things. And so what Jesus is going to do now in the story that Luke has written, that he's gathered the biographical sketch, he is going to present how God was the or Jesus was the fulfillment of all the promises of the Old Testament, and then he's going to introduce us to Jesus and start allowing Jesus' words to take uh, you know center stage. So Luke's Gospels, one thousand one hundred fifty-one uh, verses, five hundred and sixty-eight of those are direct quotations from Jesus. And so in the past, Jesus has kind of quoted some scriptures. And now he's going to add to the scriptures with his own words. And so what you're going to see happen in the scriptures now is Jesus, with all the authority, is going to invite people into their purpose and their hope and all those kind of things. And he's going to do it with two simple words. And it's just this. Follow me. So you have all the authority in the world. You have more authority than the president, president-elect, uh, Congress. You have more authority, probably, to be a change agent in this world than you realize. And how do you lean into that? Authority, there's two ways. First, you rest and recharge. Hear from Jesus, rest, receive, and respond, and then, 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 you follow him. In other words, when I was in the in the late 90s, I you know became very uh, committed to my faith, and the best way I knew how to as a 17-year-old, which was you know follow all the rules, do all the legalistic stuff. And but I wore the WWJD braces to what would yeah. Jesus do? And well, everybody did for yeah, a season. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a it's a cute bracelet, but it still leaves all sense of speculation of, well, I wonder what Jesus did in this situation. But what's interesting is a better kind of question to ask is, what did Jesus do? Yeah. And so we're going to see in this, you know, these first followers, Peter, James, and John, and others, is what it looks like to do the things that Jesus did by following him. So you have all the authority in the world. First thing you got to do is rest and receive that power, right? That's what he tells us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Hey, don't leave yet until you receive my spirit. And then you'll go be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the outermost parts of the world. So we're going to look at this first step in starting a revolution as Jesus receives. And then he goes, hands that, and delivers that out of the overflow of who he is to other people. And he's going to model to them how to serve their neighbors. And then eventually he's going to release his first followers to actually go and do that on their own. So for the next six, eight weeks, we're going to look like, we're going to look at what it's like to follow Jesus, to be with God and then to help others come and be with God too. So be a neat little journey, but it starts here with let's rest, let's receive, let's respond, and then let's follow Jesus. So uh, kind of a, you know, a two-part 
sermon that kind of yeah. showed up this past week on both sides of how do we rest and receive and respond, and then on the other side, how do we actually follow him? And I do want to try yeah. and jump into both of those, kind yeah. of separate yeah. separate those out, maybe dive a little bit deeper into each of those. Um, one of the things that you started with, you started with a illustration or a, a story from as you were growing up. So I feel like uh, like many of our viewers, we probably all have the question. So how many times did you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? <laughs> yeah. So uh, so kind of the, you know what you're referencing is. You know, the, the way that uh, my fundamental Baptist churches, and I, hear me, I, I'm so thankful for my upbringing. Yeah. I literally, um, the, the reason I understand the Bible is because of great Bible teachers right, and right. committed Sunday school teachers. And so, immeasurably blessed. And yet, you know, there's some dysfunction and all that. And so, the way that that worked is every single week, there's a pastor, he preached a sermon. And the way by which the pastor knew that he did a good job preaching the sermon is that people would respond to the sermon, not later, not during the week, but by actually doing some kind of manifestation of I believe in this stuff by walking down front. It's called the invitation where the pastor would stand up. My dad, who's a music manager, would sing, have thine own way or just as I am. That's what Billy Graham used to use a lot. And he'd invite people down into invitation. And candidly, many of you, a lot of us actually responded that way. As a yeah. second grader, I responded that way and go, oh, you talked about hell. I don't want that. Right. So yeah. it's fire yeah. insurance. It was very first step for me as a second grader to go, I don't want that. But this kind of idea occasionally would be these, I mean, I guess the pastor would have poured himself out and, you know, what felt like a long sermon, maybe 30 minutes, you know, so it's like <laughs> half of what goes on here. And then, you know, he would have been in the end and he would say something. And maybe, I mean, maybe it was in good faith. I mean, I would assume probably in good faith. I just feel like the spirit is calling one more of his children home, right? Come home. All you are weary, come home. He, who, yeah, I just quoting old, uh, you know, invitational hymns and, and he'd say, we're not leaving here until one more person comes down. And so it kind of is like, so you or me, paper, rock, scissors, because if it's to be, if we're going to get to lunch, you and I, one of us is going to have to do it. And so, you know, we'd convince our buddy they should go down, kind of. I mean, it was awkward and all sorts of broken. And I, I, I say that in jest. It didn't happen that often. Yeah. But I will tell you, you know, while you asked that question, how many times did you go up front? Not many in terms of receiving Christ, but I sure did pray the prayer. I did the same thing. If you don't know <laughs> that you know 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 when you die today on the way home in your car, right? That you're going to be with Jesus, then you need to pray this prayer and raise yeah. your hand. Like, okay, let's just double down, triple down, <laughs> quadruple down in this, you know, sense. And so the reason I think it's important is that's what we think of when we think of an invitation. Right, right. That is not the invitation in the scripture. Right, right. The invitation in the scripture is follow me. Yeah. And they left everything and they followed. Yeah. And so that's the real beginning of the gospel work in our lives. It's not some prayer asking Jesus into our heart. Which really, yeah. That is some uh, tactical ways that we begin it. What really happens is we decide to start putting our feet mm. in, into action and following Jesus. So yeah. I that's think the invitation. I think that's good. One of the things, you know, I grew up in a church that had a very similar like experience yeah. where invitation was a big part of part yeah. of it. And one of the things that I always appreciated is that there was an action step to kind of stepping out of your seat and going yeah. down um, because that is what we see the disciples actually do. There yeah. was a huge action step. It wasn't just, you know, they have five, 10 minutes of awkwardness or whatever where they step out, but they had a lifetime of following and yeah. pursuing. And it was an everyday decision. It was not just a one and done. Yeah. It was an every single day decision. Yeah. By the way, I, I don't mind that in many ways. I kind of, I don't know that we won't get back to that at some point yeah. where we bow heads, right, lead people right. in prayers, invite them 
to come forward and pray or and those kind of things. I mean, those are those are not bad right. tactical steps. They just right. don't save you. But boy, are right. they meaningful next steps in the journey. I mean, Jesus does say, whoever acknowledges me before men, I'll acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. And so there is something about that public yeah. movement in that. And in Romans 12, it says, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And so some of what we see in those kind of movements is you're bringing yourself to the altar. Why? Because that's what we understood. The altar is where we laid ourselves down, where we right. made those sacrifices. So in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And as the living sacrifice, your inclination is to walk back off the altar, which would make sense then that you would bring yourself back to the altar. So there's nothing wrong with it. I just wanted to make sure we understood that what Jesus is inviting us into is not some prayer. Right. It is into a life lived on mission, which sounds really scary, but it is yeah. far beyond what you can hope and imagine. And you would never regret, not on your first day in heaven, not on your last day on earth, ever regret deciding to take those steps and following him. Yeah. So the, what we're going to figure out in the next six weeks is what does it actually look like to take Jesus up on his invitation to the party, right? Like he's he's made that available to us. And all we got to do is bring our ticket and walk with him. And so what does it look like to do that? And that's what yeah, we sort through. Even what you had just said, like you, you mentioned that, I think it was at least two times on Sunday that like you've never regretted doing what Jesus has asked you. Oh, I have lots of regrets, right. but never have I regretted following the scriptures. Yeah, right. So as we jump kind of into the text, we were kind of finishing up um, chapter four and primarily kind of in chapter five. So uh, Jesus is leaving. It, what we see is that it just he just had this awesome prayer like service where he's healing a bunch of people. Yeah. And then he goes to the synagogue and you get a life 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 like is Oprah. And yeah. Well, he was before Oprah. Yeah. So yeah. he's the original. And you get a life and you get to lead the demons and you go. I guess it's like. Yeah, it's pretty neat that moment. So, yeah, he has this healing service, and then, uh, I'm sorry, I can't really see. So, uh, and then he's leaving, He's and this is what he says in 42. It says, and when it was day, he departed. So, night, healing service, this, yeah. is, this is one event really following the So, next. Sabbath ends at sundown. Yeah. So, Friday night to Saturday night, that is, you don't do anything. I mean, yeah. Jesus is doing some stuff. But then people are going, we're hearing about this. And so the minute the sun goes down, the, yeah, I mean, they're coming out. They're coming out of the works. You yeah. know, Woodward going, hey, we got to find Jesus. So he's pretty busy. And so I don't know if he finally gets some sleep. Eventually, like, falls yeah. asleep on a couch. I don't know if he stays up all night. But everybody else probably is asleep. And finally, yeah. daybreak, and he goes, okay, I can see where I need to go now. Right there. It's like they had headlamps. Yeah. So he's going to go somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So this is what it says. It's, and you parked on this. And I think this is important. This goes to that first kind of part of the message that yeah. you were talking so about. It says, one. Yeah. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people mm -hmm. sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, so continuing on. So he goes to a desolate place. Like this is kind of where you pointed out that it's like, you know, Jesus is in, is in the middle of his ministry. Like he just had a pretty crazy eventful night. Yeah. Not really sure what it looks like for him. Did he get sleep? Did he not? Like, but as soon as it was it was daylight, he departs and goes to a desolate yeah. place. Do, do you want to talk about maybe the importance of that for yeah, us within our lives or Yeah, it's really important, I think. And so the, the big thing is Jesus just poured himself out in ministry. Right. Like maybe for the first time we see in this kind of sense. I mean right, we, right. Don't, we don't have all the stories of scriptures. I mean, even John tells us if you were to write all the crazy stories, there's not a library that can contain it, but he writes these things so that we may believe. So the objective here is for us to, to believe and follow Jesus, not to understand, you know, kind of 
a comprehensive understanding right. of everything in life. But from what we can gather, according to Luke here, this is kind of that first big one. And so Jesus is going to model something that's really going to be important throughout his ministry. And we're going to follow him throughout ours, right? And it's this, that when you pour yourself out in ministry, the reality is you should be tired. And by the way, I think we should be tired. Yeah. Like, I think pastors should go to bed exhausted at yeah. night. Not just pastors. I think you should go to bed exhausted at night. There's something about that that we're just we pour ourselves out because yeah. of what jesus has done for us there's there's real work to be done and so what do you do when you the first step is you pour yourself out in ministry as you pour yourself out in ministry you gotta recharge and yeah. so by the way if you don't like this message you're in trouble because we start this one <laughs> then jesus does this and now we're going to see him go heal a man heal h-e-a-l heal a man with leprosy this upcoming week and then guess what he's gonna do again yeah. he's gonna withdraw yeah and so literally he starts and luke's gonna finish up the next passage with the same thing so this is a consistent part it says right. often right. jesus withdrew to the wilderness to pray so there's something about this this uh, rest and reflection that has to happen in our lives and i would argue that one of two things isn't happening one you're not pouring yourself out in ministry or two if you have before you haven't recharged mm -hmm. and so now you're all out of whack and your rhythms are messed up so we we recharge we sit before jesus we receive from him and then we go pour ourselves out and inevitably if you do that then you're going to need to recharge or you're just going to go bankrupt right i mean yes. like spiritually mentally all those kind of things and so we're going to see this pattern over and over again so if luke is going to show you what it looks like to pour out pour yourself out in ministry that's what jesus does yeah uh, and then he's going to show you what needs to happen and that happens in the most awkward sense that we don't like in solitude and it says went into a desolate place yeah. that means in a place that feels a little lonely a place that he feels exposed a place that he can't distract himself or lean on anyone or anything else he's going to hmm. go to that place so that he can knows that the thing that will fulfill him is actually God himself, right? And I think that's really, really important because sometimes we don't work, but do you go to a place where you're actually inviting Jesus to be the one to fill you? Because honestly, you put a lot of pressure on your kids if they're the ones that have to fill your cup back up. You put a lot of pressure yeah. on your spouse if they're the one who does that. You, know, you put a lot of pressure on your credit card if those are the things that you go to to fill yourself up. And so we see right. Jesus walks away from all that stuff, right? You know, we could argue as to at daybreak, there's some pretty important things there in terms of, uh, you know, orders of first. But mm. the, I don't want to spend too much time there as much as there's something about going to a place where the only one who can get credit for the recharge is actually God himself. Because mm. there's nothing else there that can recharge him. Mm. And many of the times we don't know, even if we're recharged, whether or not it's actually legitimate recharging. Because God couldn't get the credit because we went and found something else to do, yeah. you know, something to entertain us, something to excite us, something to give us hope outside of those things. So it's pretty important that you go, yep, he actually went to a desolate hmm. place. Yeah, so I'm just curious, and and maybe you know this in the Greek or not, or, or that word desolate. So does that have more to do with um, like what you were just saying, a place where he's laid bare, or is that more of a physical location or both? Yeah, so here's what's really interesting there. Good question. Um, so Jesus is just... <clears throat> Previous to this, I remember he was in Nazareth, and right. this is where a prophet's like said in his own town, and he's going to stand up and he's going to preach, right. and he's going to quote Isaiah. But the way Luke writes it down is actually in the Greek, and literally there's this place of where the people were desolate, and so same okay. language there, and it literally means without other options. Okay. So desolate without other options. No, this means like this is like they went. Jesus went to the middle of nowhere. Like there's no bars, there's no <laughs> movie theater. It's like. It just means a place without other options, which okay. is so important here because if there's no other options and you're trying to get rested and recharged, either you're not going to get rested or recharged or the one who's going to rest and recharge you is 
yeah. God himself. And so that's a, it's more of that. Like it means desolate. Like there is just no, no other options mm. in the middle of all that. So, so uh, I guess I want to press in a little bit to that too, because I think that for a lot of people, a lot of believers, right? Like finding the time that you feel like you need to be able to set aside. Yeah. How, how does one do that? Because we see Jesus is pretty, I'm pretty busy, but uh-huh. he makes time for this. So how do we as believers, like if we're struggling, if we're kind of hearing this or we're going, yes, that's exactly what I need, but I don't have time. How do, how do I manage my time and the, this ability? Like, oh, yeah. Let me offer you some hope. That's not very hopeful. <laughs> yeah. uh, take it from I me. had a feeling that yeah. you were going to go there. Yeah. Take it from me. Uh, you will find the time. Yeah. Either you'll choose it and you'll carve it out or eventually it'll be required of you. Yeah. Right. Uh, maybe it's because you'll end up alone hmm. because you've exhausted your options and use people for that reason. Right. Or maybe you've done some damage to your marriage, done some damage hmm. to your work eventually. And this is, I'm not saying this because I want, I, I never don't want to control you with fear or manipulation. So, um, when I was 20, so 17, I heard from God, felt like he wanted my future. didn't know what that meant, but I was, considering it by the time I got to 21 I didn't want to do that I thought I'll go be a lawyer right like I'll okay. go make money I actually thought I was gonna be a politician of all things okay. which you know so I was studying for the LSAT preparing to try to figure out what law school all that kind of stuff and uh and then those moments God had just kind of reaffirmed to me that he wanted my future okay and I went to a, and I, I went to a pastor and basically said hey um, we don't know each other you're the youth guy but I need to tell you this God told me I think he wants me to be a pastor maybe even a youth pastor but I don't really want to do it just for your candidate, and he responded with, "Okay, then don't." And I was like, "Man, I love this guy. Like, okay, good, 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 funny. Love this guy." And he goes, "One or two things are gonna happen. Either you're gonna follow God, or you're gonna end up flat on your face." Yeah. Uh, skip ahead nine months. I was flat on my face, okay. and a closet where my life had just I just received a really terrible news. Had a really bad relationship. I just completely broken and remember that moment like I'm literally in a closet screaming at God and I'm literally flat on my face mm-hmm. right so I don't say these things that go hey I want you to, to to feel shame or fear but hey you can keep doing what you're doing you don't yeah you're right you don't have to go recharge yeah. that's fine keep doing what you're doing but eventually oh you'll 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 end up in a desolate place yeah so it's either by um it's either by choice or by fruit that's just that's just What's going to happen there? And so I don't say that because I want you to do that. I just think it's going to happen. And because at some point, at some point in your life, you're going to keep running to that thing or that person thinking they're the ones who are going to be able to recharge you. And they are not going to be able to. And it's going to be devastating. And so at some point, you're going to look for this. This is why we want to we want to continue to serve our community, right? Because we are convinced that people always return to the last place they felt loved. And so if we can love people and then point them to the only thing that really can sustain them, right? That person can't forgive you fully for your sin. They can't because a lot of that is not against them. It's against God himself. And if they could forgive you, they can't fulfill you. And if they could fulfill you, they can't save you and offer you a hope in an eternity. And so at some point, we're going to have to figure out how to get our recharge and our fuel and our feel from the creator of all life. So um, by nature, that's going to happen. And so I just would say it's imperative that you do that because what I tell people all the time is people always find God. It's either through humility or humiliation, Hmm. right? Those are the two ways by which we find God. And I just would implore you because I've been on the other side of that more times than I'd like to do it in humility, to acknowledge that you can't 
sustain sustain yourself and you yeah. can't save yourself. So if that seems really, really strange to you and you're busy going from thing to thing, I go, yeah, that's probably, you've probably never been in that desolate place. But when you are, email us. Yeah. And we'll come get in that desolate, desolate place with you and point you, the only one who can save you and fulfill you, and many of you are there. And so it's just that posture and that positioning that you have to see. And so this is all about positioning yourself. That's what humility is. Humility is positioning yourself not as the primary caregiver of life and sustainer of life. And so it's about position. And so I think it's really important what we see here with Jesus is that he models that. He pours yeah. himself out in ministry. And he's God himself, but he yeah. surrenders all the right to God in this moment. And he goes and he finds that he's going to be fulfilled and sustained in that. And so you go, well, how in the world do you know whether or not that's happening? And I, so hard, and this tour gets so complicated, and it's so much more nuanced, and here's, here's the formula. But what I found is that eventually, if I rest and sit still long enough, I read his scriptures long enough, I will receive something from him. And typically it's in the scriptures. When I'm looking for it, like I will, I will receive something from him. And you see this. I've been studying Elijah's life again, just trying to work through uh, kind of the, the spiritual forces against him, even in some great moments, great words of our ministry. And he went to a desolate place, and he went there for the wrong reasons. And he went there going, why me, God? My life's so bad, God. And God keeps asking him a question. What are you doing, right? And he keeps going, there's no one like me. No one else will understand. Woe is me kind of thing. And he keeps doing that over and over again. And then God comes to him and goes, go, go stand up on the mountain. So he finally gets to this mountain. After God had provided over and over again, he still just wants his life to be taken. And it said that a hurricane came through or like, you know, storms, tornadoes. And it kept saying, and God was not in those things. And so there's all this chaos. So we're going, is that God? And it, this hasn't he heard a still small voice, right? That just asked him again, what are you doing here? And so there comes a place where as you're sitting still in the quiet, you'll start having those questions that come from God. What are you doing here? Like, what is it that God wants from you? And what you'll what you'll learn in the middle of those moments as you read is that God actually wants to fill you and sustain you and use you. So inevitably what happens is God reveals to you those things. We see it in Mary and Martha. Martha goes, it's a story in the New Testament, in Bethany with Jesus when he's, uh, some of his buddies, he got Capernaum where he spent a lot of time last, you know, six months of ministry, kind of home base was this place in Bethany with Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus he brought back to life and there's this one instance where he's spending time with him and Martha is doing all sorts of work and she goes to Jesus and goes my sister's not helping you know like Martha 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 kind of thing right my sister's not helping and he actually just says she's doing the the right thing or she's not, one of the things no she's doing the exact specific thing like he like doubles down on that that he's just sitting at her feet at his feet and Inevitably, what happens is that's our goal is to sit at his feet. No, she doesn't stay there. Eventually, she goes and she is with him at the cross when he dies. She is at his tomb when it's empty. She is the first messenger of the gospel to other people. Yeah. So this isn't like that's all she did. But what what predicated all that she did was actually resting and receiving and responding. And yeah. so I'd go, yeah, you got to serve. You got to go and follow Jesus. But please, please don't do it before you sit at his feet. Yeah. Right? And so there is this thing of you you'll know when you know that you've rested and you've received and then and only then should you respond. And so if you're not sure, I'd go, you should be sure in some ways, but the only way to be sure about what God's called you to do is actually rest and receive. So there'll come a moment and it's not about, it's not like you gotta be there six months a year, but there is this process, but first you rest, then you receive and then you respond in that order. So Yeah, thanks for answering that. I think that's an important question for all of us. Yeah, sorry it and, I, and I don't think that it's, you know, it's necessarily, you know, nine months and you're going to be flat yeah. on your face. I feel like God will give prompts, at least for me, what I feel like yeah. is that 
there's certain times where it's almost like a moment where I go, wait a minute, what, why did I react that way? Or yeah. why am I? And it's like one of the first things that I think of is that when's the last time that I've actually rested and I've actually spent time in fellowship yeah. and community with, with my heavenly father. So yeah, last thing I'll say there really, really important is why well, don't I do that? It's like, what? Here's the problem with that. Like, there's not like you got to go read a devotional. That's yeah. great. You don't have to read the Bible. Like, the, the premise is at some point, the goal is you and Jesus forever. Right. So if we negate the idea that we're supposed to sit still with Jesus right. now, then you have lost sight of what all eternity is going to be like. That's right. the whole goal right. is that you would be with him and love that moment. And right. so, hey, that's some... That's some, we got to cut our teeth on that, and we got to learn that. And so the whole goal of the gospel is you and him forever. And he's not talking about once you get into heaven with your wings that you actually don't get, right? He's not talking about that. He's actually saying, hey, you can do that today. And so, yes, that's uncomfortable, right? You've lived this whole way your whole life, done the things you've done your whole life. So, yeah, that's going to take some awkward movements, and there's going to be some yeah. soreness because those are new muscles you're lifting. But yeah. that is the goal of all of the Gospels. And Jesus came to be with us forever. So yeah. it would make sense that at some point we start we start strengthening those muscles. Yeah. I, it's, I was part of a discipleship program for years. And it would start off like with prayer and like devotion in the mornings. Usually there's music that was played. Um, and it was 50 minutes like Monday oh. Monday through oh. Thursday yeah. or, or Thursday. Tuesday through uh, Friday or whatever it was. And at first it's like, man, I've got like an hour that I've got to kill. But towards the end of the year, what happens is that you have strength in those muscles. And then honestly, I got to the point where now I kind of wish I had somebody that was making me do that because yeah. it was something that it, now on my own, in my own strength and ability, yes, while I try and find time, it's just not quite the same. Yeah, so that's one of the dilemmas. Now I'm like, now I know what God says. Like, yeah. I'm Aaron. I don't know what the scriptures say. Right. So um, one of my heroes of the faith, you know, I got lots of them throughout history, but like practical around now, uh, theologically sound, I think in my opinion, is Tim Keller. Yeah. Right? Uh, from this area, and I went to Westminster Theological Seminary. He's uh, planted a church, Redeemer Church in New York, wrote, you know, fabulous books. I recommend them to everybody all the time. But, um, one of the things I was reading in one of his articles, books, I don't even remember where, is he talked about like his Bible study method. And he learned it, I think, in seminary of all okay. places. So he should have already known all the stuff and this stuff. And what he says, and I, I mean, I've, I've leveraged this not as often as I should. So I don't think, wow, he's really good at this. I'm embarrassed that I don't do it as often as I should. But he talks about this deep dive into a verse of Scripture. We've tried it here a couple of times. It's been yeah. a while. Where basically he takes one verse. Like, for yeah. example, right now I'd recommend for you one verse, Matthew 4, 19. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Really mm -hmm. good one. I think we've done that one here. This idea that he would just stare at this one verse. He would just take one verse. Not lots of verses. He'd just yeah. go away. 30 minutes. 30 minutes. And he said the first time he tried it was with, uh, I think, a theological professor, some kind of disciple maker, lady who basically said, go do that. The whole class did it. And they came back. And then she said, okay, how many of you got your, your most profound you know, reception of God's grace, re revelation from you in the first five minutes. He said, somebody raised their hand. First 15, somebody raised their hand. First 20, maybe one of the, you know, the class of 30. Almost all of them, if not all of them, all got that last thing in those last few mm -hmm. minutes. And so there's just something. And so maybe that's where you start. It's just go grab a verse. Maybe I just told you what, mm -hmm. Matthew four nineteen, and just stare at it. And stare at it with nothing else. No book, no, no you know, phone, no internet, just you and a closet. And that one verse of scripture, just stare at it and go, God, I'm I'm coming to this place with you and you alone. 
and just see what he does. Like I would say that. I mean, in fact, I'm like, oh, I need to do that more. Why yeah. don't I do that? I feel more? the same thing. I'm so going, man. I need to do that so more. Every often. time I've done that, it, yeah. I, I, it has been so rewarding and fulfilling and sustaining. Yeah. And yet we get back in the rat race where now yeah. it's guys. It's November seventeenth. Gosh. I mean, we thought it would be this day today, right? It's November seventeenth. Yeah. It's no longer October. The election was two weeks ago, right? The, yeah. I mean, these kind of things. And it's just like, how in the world do we get here so yeah. fast? It's like we got to pause, right? And so, anyway, all right, enough about that. Yeah. So I, I feel like that was good discussion. Hopefully, that's helpful yeah. for you as you're listening as well. So as we kind of jump back in the text, so Jesus departs, goes to a desolate place, and then it says, and the people sought him and came to him, and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Yeah. And so then we get to Luke chapter 5, and this is where Jesus calls his first disciples, yeah. right? So um, it, it kind of continues again. This, this may not be right next because it says on one occasion, like Luke is recalling Yeah, and so it. in fact, you'll see on verse 44, there's a little like uh, footnote. And some of the manuscripts that you have say Judea, some of them say Galilee. And you go, boy, those are two different places. Yeah. One, Galilee is where Nazareth is, right? Judea is where Jerusalem is, right? Yeah. Capernaum. So it's a, there's Samaria in between those. And so you go, which one is it? And it could very well be both. Like, so we don't know how immediately after this this is. Yeah. If he's going back and forth, one of the assumptions is, well, it says Judea, but we're going to find him was at the Sea of Galilee. More likely, if Peter's there, he's from Capernaum, so it's back up in Galilee. So there yeah. is some, some. Uh, there's manuscripts that kind of reveal both of those things, and I don't think it's contradictory. So we don't know immediately how. Yeah. I mean, this could be a couple of days apart, could be a yeah. week apart. This could be whatever that is. But right. there's so what we see is, but Luke is going to establish as Jesus rests. Jesus, well, Jesus pours himself out in ministry. That's some good rain. Uh, Jesus <laughs> rests, and then he goes and back and lives on purpose. So yeah. rest, receive, respond. You know, he understands his purpose. Then he's going to get back into his purpose. And what's his purpose? For you and I to be with him ever, forever. So what he's going to do is he's going to start inviting the first few people into forever. And yeah. so that's what happens in this moment. Yeah, you just quickly went over it, but what, that was one of the things yeah. that you said on Sunday. So that there's to recharge, there's part of that is to rest, receive, respond. But then you also went into a couple different things of like for you, kind of your personal, I think yeah. it was your personal metrics of how you go, okay, how are we working through this? Is this the right time and the right way? Yeah, is I talked it, about you a little bit more? in some of this stuff. I, I, yeah, I, 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 did, I did hear that. So I talked about you like you have your ducks in a row. And I like, do. Like, oh, it's true. I can't you disagree like, with you've anything. You've been putting out fires. I'm like, well, that's funny. <laughs> I've been starting them right. And so, well, actually this week, I feel yeah. like I've been throwing gasoline yeah. on them. Yeah. So that's for another time. Yeah, but, so, well, sometimes you need some fuel. Um, and so in all that, I think one of the caricatures of me, Fair enough, and I joke about it probably more than I should, is the ready, shoot, aim. Like, you know, Josh was just waking up and flying by the seat of his pants. And that's not real true. I mean, no, I, I, I move quick, but yeah. I also process a lot, a lot. Like, I'm always thinking, always doing. Like, if you and I go through a museum, I'm, I'm going to process it all. I'm just going to do it at a quick pace, mm -hmm. and I, I'm going to be annoyed at your pace, and you're going to be annoyed at mine, and <laughs> then we'll never go back together there, right? And that's just how those things kind of work. And so, but... So I do kind of have these matrices I'm working through and really spent a good bit of time on that over the last six months of going, okay, I just don't have enough time. And I felt like I was waking up most days and going, okay, who do I, who am I going to disappoint today? Not who am I going to go meet? I mean, it's just uh, the plate's full and that's not drama and I'm like, what was me? I, I signed up for the gig. I love the gig, feel fulfilled in it, but it's just trying to sort through that. And so try, trying to figure out a way to be real intentional about yeah. those things. And so, yeah. Those, even as I think about Christmas series or small groups or whatever the, the initiatives are, it's going, okay, God, have I sat still before you? Does this come from you? Is it confirmed in your word? 
And is it time to respond? Well, how do I know if it's time to respond? Is it the right time? Is it, uh, you know, in the right way? Is this the most appropriate way to do what you've called us to do? There are different ways to do those things. This, you know, is this, is now the time? Is this the right way? And then really the specific one, particularly for me, but I think a lot of people in ministry is it's hard to gauge success. Like, how do you gauge success? That you preach the Bible? Well, maybe, but do there people come down front? Is it right. more people getting groups? Is there more money? Is there more people? And so right. some of the hard parts of that is gauging how to be successful. And either you gauge it by money or people, or you gauge it by uh, projects, right? Mm. And so, okay, God, am I doing this because I feel the need to please you or please others? And so those are just things. So I ask them all the time, okay, is this the right time to do that? There's a lot of stuff. Like even this material, part of this was, months in the past going, is, this the, is it the right time to share this? Is it the right way to share? Is this the right scripture? Is this the right way? And then is it for the right reasons? And am I sharing this because God, I believe this is exactly what you want from me in this moment. And so those are the things I think are pretty helpful in all things is going, okay, ask those questions. Is, this the, is it the right time? Once you get past that, then move to the next one. Is this the right way to do it? Yeah. Okay, now I've had those things. Okay, let me make sure and check, like really is this for the right reasons? You could flip those around, but I have found that I want to, the last thing I want to do before I implement something is just check my motives one more time. So mm-hmm. right time, right way, right reasons. So before we get to the following Jesus, yeah. which is really kind of the heart of chapter five here, at least the beginning. Point, and we'll get to it yeah, for the next several weeks. So. Is, um, is, so you talk about, uh, you were talking about purpose and kind of how we, um, how we generally respond to things. So there's the reaction generally. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, so Wayne Cordero's book leading. Yeah. On so reaction, conformity, yeah. or independence. Yeah. Um, but his argument is that we should be intentional with that. Yeah. Like, is that anything more that you want to dive into? Yeah. So there? the neat thing is we're going to see this as long as we follow Peter. Yeah. So this is, I mean, he's, he's like us, right? Like he is going to ebb and flow. Eventually yeah. he's going to be fully bought into Jesus in his way to the point where he's going to love Jesus so much. They're going to want to murder him like they did Jesus. He's like, you can't do it. I don't even deserve to be murdered. The same way, flip me upside down, like those kind of things. And so, yeah, so you're going to see this a lot in his life is that there's a lot of his life that's led with reaction, cut off the ear, right? right. There's a lot of this that's led with conformity. I don't know that God because I'm one of you, right? right? There's kind of, you know, like there's a lot of his life that's led by independence. No, Jesus, I'll never do that, right? There's right. just those things. And so many of you have gotten to November 17th. And not realize it was November 17th, if that's the day that it is. I think it is, right? Yeah, today's um, the 17th. W- and the reason being is because you've been living in one of these fake ways. You've just been reacting. Reacting to the latest email you got from your school. Reacting right. to the latest news you got about COVID. Reacting, reacting, reacting. Or on many of you are here because you're just trying to figure out who not to make upset today. So you're jumping from thing to thing, trying to make your wife happy, trying to make your kids happy. Like literally, you don't dictate your life because so many of the people run you or you think they do. And the reason you think they do is because you need their happiness and their joy and their affirmations. You're conforming to what their expectations of you are. And so as we get into this Christmas season, this is really important because you're going to be reacting to a lot. And boy, you're going to be conforming to a lot. And then the, the third one is, is finally, finally, and it seems like this is, what happens is finally you just go, forget it. Forget it. I'm not following your rules. I'm not doing your thing. Right. Don't tell me what to do. I'm staying here. The TV's staying on and I'm just going to do my own thing. And like we think that is some kind of evolution of, right. you know, maturity. And it's like, well, I get why you do that. And I understand the exhaustion of it. And I, it makes sense that you wouldn't just react. It makes sense that you wouldn't just conform. But really, it also makes sense that you wouldn't think you're the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Mm-hmm. So kind of, out of those three, we kind of ebb and flow through them. And I want to talk about that before we get to Christmas. But there is a fourth one, is that we actually live on purpose, yeah. intentional. But the problem is, in order to get there, 
got to sit still, you got to rest, you got to receive and you got to respond. And so that is the only way by which you can arrive at those things. So uh, you can read Wayne Cornero's book. There's some, I think there um, is a really good, I don't know, uh, eight minute video and then a, an hour long video from Global Leadership Summit from 2006 called Dead Leader Running. Okay. Probably if you want to grab that, the eight minute one's pretty helpful in terms of how you go on into your tank and all those things. But anyway, so some yeah. stuff to think, but it does make sense that we actually go, why in the world are we here? Okay, this is why I'm here. You know, how do I live out that purpose in a way that is honoring to Jesus? And by the way, if it's honoring to Jesus, it's going to be really honoring and fulfilling to you and right. everyone else right. that's around you as well. So that I feel like my question on Sunday was, yeah. well, how do we live a life of intentionality? Which you just answered. Yeah. So it's spending time. It's finding that alone time. It's it's recharging. It's going to a desolate spot. Yeah. It's going to a desolate yeah. spot yeah. where none of those other things, your reaction, your conformity, your independence are what's sustaining you or leading you. You go to a place where those things, you un, you untether yourself from those things in a place of that is desolate so that you can hear and receive and respond to God. And here's the really good news about that. We are not responsible for the pain our obedience to God causes other people. It's yeah. not. Your job, you see it throughout the scriptures, your only job is to hear from God and do what he says. Hear me. For those of us like me, many of you think your job is to provide for your family. You know, like even a lot of us dudes, we provide for our family and we protect them. No, your job is to hear from God and do what he says. Maybe he told you to provide for him and protect them. But the number one responsibility you have in life is to lead a modeled life of faith and obedience to God. But how do you do that? Well, the only way is if you know what God's saying. And the only way you can know what God's saying is if you would cut off all the outside noise and listen. So that's the piece of this. We're going, yeah, you'll get there. You'll get to a life of intentionality. But it does not happen without sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha was not living intentionally. She was living reactionary. Reactionary. Yeah. We, we get it. Uh, yeah. So uh, I do want to, so we'll focus kind of now on that second part, following Jesus. For the next 19 minutes. And so this is what we see. Yeah, sorry. We, this always happens. It's just good conversation, I think. Hopefully you're appreciating it. Um, well, so not that good. One of the things, <laughs> he just looked at the metrics and saw that there's no one watching live. But thanks for there joining There was someone later. watching live. And apparently this conversation wasn't beneficial. All right. So... <laughs> I don't even know where I was going with that. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah. we're not talking about Following you on Facebook Jesus. or other places. So thank you for watching. I'm just talking very specifically about the Watch Live thing. So I don't want to discount those of you who actually Those that are watching after that aren't watching yeah. it live, we appreciate you. Absolutely. And there is views. So thank yeah. you. Um, uh, yeah. So as we jump Did into the second part. Do you feel like part, you need to share the reviews like the, this, the, like, to add value? To, like uh, we, we do matter? Uh, no, just to make the point that the reality is people listening. If you're saying that to someone and they hear it, then there's views. That's true. Like I a, can't disagree. Okay, that's, the the other week, though, we uh, yeah. Christian and I were doing a video that were like, hey, so if you want to watch this later, and I realized in the middle of my sentence that it didn't matter because if they were watching it, they'd already followed that to do what yeah. I was just saying to do. Anyway, uh, so as we're looking at it, Jesus calls um, Simon Peter. He goes to the Sea of Galilee, like, and here is this pretty amazing miracle of these fishermen that are just coming in. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. After a long night, they don't catch any fish. Jesus says, hey, put out, throw the nets. Uh, and Simon Peter does it. Why do you think he does it? Like, what what would lead him to doing so that? So I sometimes peer into those things. And, oh, this is so embarrassing. Sometimes I do things just to prove that they shouldn't be done. <laughs> okay. Okay, fine. I've already worked it. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it again. Yeah, yeah, do it again. So, like, almost for, like, 
for someone else's discovery. Okay. Oh, I've already traveled. Okay, that's fine. That's a dirty. That's fine. It's not worth arguing. Okay, like to my kids. Okay, yeah, yeah. we'll just do it again. Okay, right? like no, no, I've already tried that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, place your hand on the stove. Just stick it on there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's like, probably not a good one. <laughs> so, yeah, touch the fireplace. Not a good one. No, 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 that's fine. Yeah, you're right. Well, yeah, go ahead. Put your tongue on it. Yeah. So, you know, in some ways, I don't know. Like, I I really do identify uh, with Peter. Right? Yeah. Not, like, in the identification, like, I'm Peter. But, like, I understand who he, like, that. And I do with Paul as well in different ways. But I could just see kind of, like, his abrasiveness of going, I mean, and the reason we know there's something there. Is because he doesn't just go, sure, Jesus, I'll do that. He goes, well, I've been doing this all night. Yeah. But fine. Right? Like, yeah. what, what do you mean fine? Don't use the word fine. I don't know what it means. Right? That kind of stuff. And so so there is some of this in there that I think uh, that maybe this isn't the absolute purest motives. Yeah. And yet, at the same time, he does what he's told. Right? And so there is something about that of going, hey, I mean, you're welcome to tell God why you don't think it'll work. <laughs> If you think that's helpful, I wouldn't recommend it because he's the God of the universe. But you're welcome to tell him all those things. The important part is you actually just do it, right? And so yeah. I think that's the piece of, yeah, he he's probably exhausted. It was a long night. Yeah. But, you know, the other side of this probably is... Probably disappointed and frustrated. Yeah. So you got those things. You know, on the other side, he, at some point in the past, he um he saved, his mother-in-law got saved. Yeah, right. Which I don't know if he's happy about that, <laughs> sad about that. I'm joking. He's probably, you know, partially both and... So that's a joke as well. Um, so, but there is some of that. So he's like, okay, I, I've seen him do some things. Hey, he is a teacher. Let me. Right. So maybe honor, maybe submission. I think. Imagine all the ways that you would respond. Peter's not like us. So if you go through all those things, you really got yeah. all full of them. Reaction. First reaction is, I've been here all night. You yeah. know, independence is, I'm better than you at this. Conformity, maybe is like, okay, or well, maybe I should. And and I think ultimately when we keep getting ourselves back to this is what you see with Naaman in the Old Testament we read a couple of weeks ago we see it with the, the widow and Elijah or Elijah what we see there over and over again is kind of this response of what else do I have to lose yeah right and so that it's kind of how we come about things is well what else do we have to lose right like <laughs> so he he does it he puts it and he puts it in that and that's why I love that clip from the chosen because you see kind of like that yeah it was a good clip the interaction between it and see kind of the weight of what was going on yeah, so I, I thought that was really good. The clip was, I love that. Um, that clip is just gave a great visual. Uh, by the way, I'd recommend, I'd recommend the show. Yeah. I'd recommend the show. I think that it's well worth your time, your family's time to, to, to participate in that. By the way, Dallas Jenkins, who uh, uh, produces it, his mm-hmm. dad was uh, one of the two writers of the Left Behind series. Oh, so really? The Jenkins okay. Scenario. Okay. So... We have this interaction where Peter is kind of like, all right, well, fine, I guess I'll do it. And that's kind of us reading a little into that. Yeah. It, it seems or appears to be that way. And then they catch this such large amount of fish that the, the nets were breaking. The you know the boat started to sink. Um, and then what I think is so beautiful in this is verse 8. It's a, it says, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Um, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish yeah. that they had taken. I think that that's such a beautiful part of this of, of I guess, I don't know. I, I guess I would say seeing who you are in light of who Christ yeah, is. Yeah, so that is another really good litmus to whether or not you've, you've yeah. experienced God is just the awestruckness of it. Particularly yeah. in the, um, the awareness of how inept we are in light of it, right? Yeah. So. 
spending time with Jesus should recharge you, but it also should humble you because yeah. it's not, you know, so there's something in that. And so another way to go, do I need to rest or recharge? It might be that you're not exhausted, but you're really arrogant, mm. right? And so before you get to this place that you're going to be completely humiliated mm. by the time Paul's doing this, so there is something about how do you know that you've seen or experienced Jesus is that there is this response of who am I yeah. in that, right? And so, so like that's one that uh, brokenness of kind of Western cult, individualized cultures it relates to Jesus. That Jesus is our homeboy kind of yeah, stuff. Right, like right. he is our friend, and he says that he's yeah. our friend, and he argues that he's our friend because he makes us know. He tells us about his father's business. Yeah. Which, by the way, if he's making known his father's business to you, that means you can hear from him, right? There's something about that that he's wanting to make his father's business known. So yes, he's our friend. But he is holy and perfect and blameless and king of king and lord of lords. You and I are not equals yeah. to him. And so there is this reverence yeah. that does show up in this. And so it's beautiful to see this guy go, I'm the fisherman. You're not. So, mm -hmm. Okay, but I'll do it anyway. To this progress of going, how in the world could I even be close to you? And his response really is, depart from me. Right? I was yeah. listening a long time ago. Pretty interesting. It was a BJ Singh. He was a, a golfer. Okay. And he talked about how he used to go play golf with friends that were terrible, but he had to stop. And the reason being is he is noticing when he played with him, he was watching the way they swung and, and it was messing oh, up the swing. Really? So wow. he literally is like, look, I can't do this around you because you're messing things up for me. And so there is kind of this, he is perfect. And it makes sense that we would not be around him because somehow yeah. our imperfection would rub off on him. Yeah, right. right. But that's the beauty of it. Jesus goes, no, 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 that's not what happens here. You yeah. don't have to depart from me. In fact, there's nothing about you that will rub off on me, but there's a lot about me that's going to rub off onto you. And so the way by which that happens is in proximity. So no, no, not only am I not going to depart, just the opposite is going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to tether you yeah. to my hip. Yeah. And so there is this beauty of, what happens in response to that is that he's so gracious and kind, but it does make sense that part of our response when we hear from God, and some of it goes like, oh, there's no way I could ever do that. Oh, there's no way. Like, because it is this crazy thought that you're not the one who sustains it. Like, he would, Peter would be like, there's no way I could ever follow you because I'm going to mess it up. Jesus like, but you don't understand. It's not you that's underwriting the following. Yeah, it's right. me. And so some of our, I'm so broken. I can't believe God would use me. God would never speak to me. There's no way I could ever do that. Those are all pretty neat indicators that you may have actually heard from yeah. Jesus on these things because you see it. That's how they respond in the scriptures. Yeah, yeah, that's good. There's there's kind of two things that I wanted to talk through. Obviously, the following verse 10 in response, like so depart from me. I'm a wicked man. They were astonished. Verse nine at the fish that they had taken. And then 10 says this, and this wrapped up where we were this past week. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon and Jesus. Uh, and Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And verse 11, and they brought their boats to land. They left everything and followed him. Yeah. Like, and, and what I, what I think again is they see who Jesus is get away from me. Jesus yeah. goes, no, 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 yeah. draw closer. Yeah. I'll make you fishers of men. And they're going, we're in. Yeah. Like, I think it's just a, a beautiful part that we get to engage in. Like it's a beautiful picture of what we should be doing as believers each and every single day. And so uh, there was a part kind of, uh, I just wanted to kind of draw, draw that out as we yeah. talked about it, as we looked about it, kind of bring the, the text to conclusion. But also then one of the things that you said is you said that Jesus takes the things that you know and uses it for his purpose. 
I didn't know if there's anything. Yeah, so there's something I really like about people's stories or just interacting with people, and it's something I call redemptive potential, mm-hmm. right? Is that like in any situation, in your marriage right now, if it's in a really, really bad spot, I would go, and there's a great opportunity for redemptive yeah. potential, right? Even when you see uh, people in our government, like, you know, president, vice president, congress people, and you see that they have some gifting and some acumen, but they aren't tethered to Jesus. And you can look at it and go, man, there's just a lot of redemptive potential in that. And so there is something that's so beautiful. And I tell people all the time, man, we have we have a lot of people that are going through some horrific, painful things right now and just so sad for them and all that stuff. And I don't, I can't explain to them why it happens. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. And in light of it, sometimes I feel, I don't know, survivor's guilt or just shame because my life seems so much easier than some other people. It's like, ah. Oh. But the one thing I can continue to to tell people and do tell people often is not, hey, I don't know why this pain's here. I'm not even sure God calls it, right? Obviously, he's allowing it. But here's what I do know about God is he never wastes anything. Mm-hmm. He's a perfect steward, meaning he's not going to waste that pain. But the same is true, not just of pain and sorrow and sadness, but it's also true of our entire life, right? Yeah. There's something so beautiful for many of you. Like I, I had lunch with someone not too long ago who didn't really become a follower till mid seventies, mm. right? And it's like there sometimes this response of going, "Oh man, did I waste my life?" Mm. But the beauty is God was always walking alongside it, and He was allowing you to pick up these things so that finally, when your eyes are open and you see your whole purpose, you go. Now I can understand how I can use this experience, these gifts, these things. Like when you get on the other side of that really, really painful part of your marriage, on the other side of the painful part of addiction and what it did, and now you see on the other side that God sees you, knows you, and he's a perfect steward of those things. And now he goes, no, no, no. What you used to do for harm, what you used to do just to make money, what you used to do because you thought you were your own provider, now I'm going to take all those things because I'm not going to waste them. And now we're going to use those things in a way that brings the kingdom of heaven to earth. And so everything about our life, every part of our inventory of what we know and experience and what we've been educated on and the parents that we had or didn't have, all that is not wasted because in a moment what eventually happens is all those things kind of come to a head where you see Jesus and hear from him and you go, I can use all this. And that's actually one of the big concerns I have for our church, particularly in light of COVID is how do we do that inventory? How do we Mm. help you see your experiences and understand that they were meant to be used for the kingdom, right? So they are fishers. You know, they're fishers of man, meaning they redeem all those things for something good. And that is that is the story. You might not believe me yet, but that's the story of your life, your marriage, your family, your pain, your sorrow, your accolades. All that kind of comes to a place where everything that was now can be, but now it's different in that you use it for the kingdom, right? And so yeah. there is something beautiful about that. And so he's just looking at them going, hey, guys, you know something. You yeah. know exactly where to look for the, you know, the the school of fish, you know exactly what kind of bait to use, you know exactly what time to go out, you know when it's the right time, you know how to do it in the right way, and now I'm teaching you the right reasons, right? And so yeah. he's basically going, none of that was wasted. Yeah, That's the beauty of this. If you're 80 or 90 or 8 or 18, everything up to the point where you finally come into you know a head-on-head collision with the God of the universe, every single bit of that God was seeing and using and plans to use it for our good and his glory. So there's just something about, man, even that, like, it's like, you know, carbon dioxide right, to plants turns oxygen in for us. Like everything that might even seem like waste is not wasted in the, in the picture of all that. So. Sorry, we just got a comment and that said uh, they are still so here. So glad you're still here. <laughs> so, yeah. Lockwood. 
No, it's actually different different now. But I know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, uh, looking at the time, we've got uh, a little bit of yeah. time left. Um, I could go into kind of the first follower video that you had. Like, I thought that that was a great. Uh, I'd seen that video before. I loved it. Like, yeah. On some level, feel like that's what God's called me to do. Yeah. Um, and and I think that that was kind of your point. And I'm so thankful for that because right? I honest, I'll, I'll oftentimes feel like alumni. You know, so like just really do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that was the point is that God's calling all of us to be and to kind of be and do that first following yeah. Yeah. Like that video. So, yeah. So Jesus shows up. He walks in authority and purpose. He makes those proclamations known. And then he invites other people to walk in that same authority. Right. Yeah. And for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of him being with us forever. And so it seems like I'm not God, so obviously I don't know, but it seems like foolishness to me that he would allow you and I to participate in this. And yet that's the plan for the gospel for 2,000 years. The fact that we sit in this little studio upstairs and we're talking to you somewhere on the internet somewhere, right? Even this moment, God took these first 11 or 12 yeah. apostles, disciples, and this happened as a result of them trusting him. And so there's something about the way that the gospel gets in our ears has, that God has chosen to use people to do that. That is, hear me, that's his only plan. Yeah. His only plan for the good news getting into every single ear in this world is to use his people. That's why he says, go and make disciples of all nations. There is a mandate in this, and it's crazy. It's crazy that he would put something so significant and important on the line using us but he actually wants to give us the authority to participate in that here's the crazy thing so simultaneously and concurrently what's happening is we get to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth and we get to experience all the joy that god has for us and those don't happen apart from each other your significance your purpose your fulfillment your sustenance is directly and completely correlated and directly connected to what god has called you to do for yeah. the kingdom right. apart from that there is no joy or hope and peace that's lasting. And so it's so crazy to go, here's the mission. Somehow in achieving the mission, he's also like collectively, macro level, he's also achieving his mission, yeah. you know, on a, on a micro level in our own hearts and minds and souls. So what we're going to see for the next several weeks is that Jesus invites his followers in to have a real significant role in making the kingdom of heaven finally come to this planet in the same mission from 2,000 years ago. Is the same mission for anyone. What Jesus tells those first followers and what he tells us in those scriptures is that we would see and experience even greater things than he did. He brought made lame people walk, blind people see, dead people live. And he's saying that's what's available to us today. And so there is a, there's a big gap between the authority God's given us for the reasons he's given it to us and the way by which we exercise those things right now. And I'm just saying, can we start to close that gap? And could you and I in the Christian Life Center be leaders in closing the gap between what God has for us and the reality of what we're experiencing as we follow him. Oh, that's good. Uh, I felt like it was, it was as you were wrapping up the, uh, the message on Sunday, it was also kind of a wrap up to the series. You said the solution to the problem, um, problems in our nation and beginning of the series. And even at the beginning of this week talked about there's a sin, pro like we have a problem. We are sick as a country, as a nation, as a people, the solution to our problem um, the problems in our nation is resolved by following Jesus. Yeah, so uh, what's really neat there in Romans 5 is just this eloquent, confusing uh, presentation of this where Paul tells us that, hey, there's something wrong. You and I agree that we started the series going, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Our nation is sick. 
Our nation is sick because you and I are sick, right? So our nation is sick. We can see that our nation is sick, and that's what's wrong. And what Romans 5 tells us is there's a reason it's sick. And it talks about the first man, Adam, right, who got us all into this, all into it. Like he began this journey of blame and pride and self-seeking, you know, uh, worship, all those kind of things. So he, he gets us all the way into this mess, and now we've seen it kind of arrive in our world, in our nation, the way that it has, just selfishness and anger and vitriol. Our nation is sick. But what Romans 5 tells us is just as one man got us out of it, one more can get us back into it. Now, that means there is a solution for the brokenness in our nation right now, and the solution is the one who can get us back into it is Jesus. And the way that he does it is he sustains us, he lives in us, and does that. But here's the kicker. He doesn't just say, just as one man got us out of it, another one can get us into it. He also says, and not only get us in out of it, right? If one man got us in, I'm sorry, one man got us into it, one man can get us out of it, right? So just as Adam got us into it, Jesus can get us out of it. But it says not only will he get us out of it, but he'll actually get us into real life. So I just would say 2020 has been a crazy year of acknowledging that we need someone to get us out of what we are into right now. And the solution is Jesus is going, I'll get you out of that. Oh, no, no. The goal isn't just to get you out of that. The goal is to get you into what he has planned for you. And so he's going, follow me and I'll get you into that. So I'm going, hey, hey, let's go ahead and start 2021 and 2020 by right now getting ready for the season of God being with us so that we mm -hmm. can not just get out of our problems, but get into this life that mm -hmm. we're only going to find as we follow him and serve him and trust him and hear from him and then do what he says. Yeah. Any other final thoughts as we wrap up? No, that was it. That was okay. the final thought. Sorry, okay. I messed that up. I went in the wrong order. But yeah. No, that's great. No, uh, but yeah, I'm sorry. One more thought. <laughs> um, that sounds good. But I don't think you fully believe it yet. And here, here's how I know. Because I, I'm really struggling with this this week. The last part, it says, when they brought their boats to land, it says this, they left everything and followed him. Are you willing to do that? Like, no, could, could you imagine what it looked like to have a group of followers here going, I will, I'm no longer trying to get what I can out of this, but I'm trying to give everything I can for the sake of the gospel. Are you there? Like, what does it take to help us get there? Like, this could be the week. Like, I would just go and go, I don't think you and I are fully there yet. And the only way we get there is our response, the same as Peter's, is that we have like a, a real encounter with God, right? So, in order to really get there, like maybe you're 80% there, maybe I'm 85% there, but to get out of that and go, no, no, I'm willing to leave everything and follow him. By the way, he isn't going to make you leave everything. He's going to tell you to use everything for the sake of the gospel. Maybe he'll tell you to leave everything. I don't know. That's fair for me to speak to that. But what I would say is that the only way we get to the place of that's real and genuine in our life is if we have the same kind of encounter Peter does, which means we have to encounter Jesus in a real way. So I would just implore you this week, to go, God, I want I, I want my heart to be there. That's not there, but I want it to be there. God, would you just speak to me and give me like a real, real picture of what you have for me? And so would you go rest before him and you know stake your claim and going, God, I just want to know you and experience you. And I want that kind of response. I want to be astonished by my encounter with you, right? Tell him that. And then rest and rest and rest until you receive. And then when you receive, I wholeheartedly believe that our response will, yep, we'll leave everything. We'll leave yeah. everything for the sake of the gospel. So let's yeah. try to get there together. That's it. Well, I want to thank you guys again for joining us. Really hope and pray that this is challenging and encouraging for you. Hope that it helps you dive a little bit deeper into the text, into the message of this past weekend. Um, as always, if you have any questions, we would love for you to help be a part of kind of overtime to help shape the, the conversation. You can email us at overtime at clcfamily.church. Um, you can text us 
text whatever your question is to 610-869-2140. We are now kind of doing a feature on Tuesdays when we go live for this. If you're watching live, you can do that through our website, clcfamily.church/slash live. Um, you can actually interact with us during the that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can ask it live. Right. So we'd love for you to be a part of what, what we're doing here, be a part of what God is doing here in our church family uh, and within our community. And as always, what we hope is that you are blessed and uh, encouraged by it. So thanks. Have a great week, and we hope to see you next week. And we're out now.